0: Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 16. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. When I think about being like a child... I think, I think we all can relate. When you see a kid or when you were a kid, we are full of dependence on our parents. We, we have to depend on our parents to take care of us. Someone has to take care of us. Also, being a child it is so easy to get hopeful or to reach excitement. I, I think about when kids see a new toy or they get taken to the park or when they learn something or they get a food that they're like, man, the excitement is unreal. It reaches such high levels. We see that kids are humble. I mean, kids, they, they, they don't think that they're much. They don't think they can do everything at a young age. They know. They can't even reach things from the counter. I, they know. They have to be humble. And once again, that leans into being dependent. They're vulnerable. Being a kid, you are vulnerable. You are in situations that you can be taken care of. You can be harmed. Like You have to be vulnerable. And also, one of my favorite things, as I see kids grow up in life, is the way they seek, the way they seek to learn. I think about when kids learn how to talk, and how they walk, and as they start to age, man, it just it becomes differently, almost by the day, the way they talk, and the way they, they walk. And, and for that, I'm gonna show a little video of my nephew as he was just recently trying to learn to walk the last year. Come on, come on, sit come sit come on. All right. Yes, my voice goes up four octaves for my nephew. And also, he's adorable. Here's a picture of him. Maxwell is going to be two years old this June. Uh, And him and my brother have been living with me and being able to be around him and see just the way he's changing and learning. The way he, you can see when he looks at something and he memorizes that Coco melon, looks the way Coco melon looks when it's on YouTube or the way the piano when he hears the keys and he likes to play it, and also how he runs. He's learning to run. When he first started running, he ran like this, like an anime character, and then he got hit in the head and now he runs like this. Like he, he's, he's learning. But in the same way as my nephew is learning, he also is seeking all the time. Grandma comes around, he seeks for it. If he hears her voice, if he hears when he's at the house and his dad, my brother Billy Jack, walks into the side door, if he's in the front room, man, he runs full blast. And he puts his arms out and he seeks for his father. We can learn a lot from watching how kids react in life at such a young age. In the same way we see God showing us that us too, even as adults, we're supposed to discover God and have a childlike faith, that we're supposed to be brave enough as we understand who God is And discover who he is that we know we can become more hopeful. That we can become excited. That we can be humble. That we can be vulnerable. That there is a God worth depending on. That is so worthy of our dependence. The ultimate father of all time. And the more we seek him, we see and we are promised in scripture that we will find him. And he wants us to seek after him like a kid seeks after his father. And so we're going to dig into that more today, but first, we're going to be a church known for prayer. If we could pray again and just talk to our Father. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for bringing us here safely. God, prepare our minds and our hearts for what you have for us today. I pray that we run to you as children, towards you, the ultimate Father, the ultimate love that you are. God, open our minds and hearts for what we hear today. Help it change the way we talk and the way we walk. Guide my tongue as I speak. Move me out of the way and let you shine in and through this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so today we are continuing this series, Journey to Jerusalem. And we we have this map. This map. So the first marker at the top is the Bethsaida area where we started the series, Journey to Jerusalem, where Jesus turned and said, I'm facing Jerusalem. This is my destination. And then today we're going to dig into where he enters into a city called Jericho, which is northeast of Jerusalem. And at the bottom where you see the marker with the cross, that's Jerusalem. That's Jesus' de- destination where he knows he is going to face a very painful death. But the thing that's so important that we know about this death that he faces on the cross is that it's for each and every one of us. It is for the world because God so loves us. And so he's going to go to this cross in Jerusalem and he's going to pay the price. Even though he made no mistakes, he's going to pay the price for our mistakes so we can be forgiven out of a huge ultimate act of love. But before we get there, to Jerusalem, which we're working up to in this series. We're going to look at before that, when he's walking into Jericho. Jericho is a trading hub. It is prosperous. It is rich, not just financially, but also in the grounds. The, 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 it's, a, it's a natural oasis. There's spring water that's really clean. And like, listen, I know we have like Brita filters and all this stuff now, tap water that's saving up the drink. But at this time, technology wasn't like this. This city had a cold spring. It was good water for the drinking and the ground was fertile. It was a beautiful place. It was prosperous and healthy. And it was about 15 miles from Jerusalem. And we've learned throughout this series to remind you guys that it took about 20 miles for a day's travel if you walked barefooted or in sandals at that time. And so they're within that 20 miles now, and they're here in Jericho, near the Jordan River, And so we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 19 today as he enters into Jericho. So if you have your Bible, you can feel free to open up to Luke chapter 19. If you have a Bible app and you want to open that up, sometimes I like to highlight the verses as people read them off. So I have them to look back at them later. But we'll be looking at Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. So Zacchaeus, he is there in Jericho. And we see that he is a chief tax collector. And we've learned in previous talks that a tax collector, man, Rome was trying to get as much money from the Jewish culture. And what they did was they would hire, they would assign other Jewish people to turn on their people and make profits of them. So they would take Rome's debt that they wanted or the tax collection, go to the people, ask for it, but they got to add any amount they wanted for their own profit and the position. Now, I was a tax collector. Now what we're looking at is a chief tax collectors. like the region, the regional supervisor of tax collectors. This guy was rich. He was wealthy. But not only was he wealthy, but we see that he was short in stature. And at this time, uh, in in that time, in in Jericho, in Jerusalem, in that area, the average person was about five and a half feet. And so picture, he, he was a small man. He was below average in height. And so he ran ahead. He ran ahead and climbed. Now, to be a tax collector in this culture, to run ahead was childish. But he, didn't get, he wanted to see Jesus. And so he ran. Another thing, he climbed a tree. At this time, people were trying to be very mature. They didn't, they wanted, they didn't want to seem like they were wild or uh, not polite or manful or didn't have their stuff together. And they were like, ah, oh, we don't have time to climb trees even. And so we see Zacchaeus not only runs in front of people, when people know who he is, they see him running to a tree, and then he climbs it. He, he doesn't care if it's childish because he wants to see Jesus. And so he climbs this tree, and it's a sycamore fig tree. Here's a picture for you guys. Just a, for me, I like to be visual, but this is a sycamore fig tree. And So Zacchaeus finds a tree like this by the road, and he climbs it, and he wants to see Jesus. Let's see what happens next at verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Sinner, They grumbled. So we see that Zacchaeus here, once again, he wants to see Jesus. And he sees him. And Jesus doesn't just see him, but then he calls him out by name. I need you guys to know this needs to remind us that there is a God that is looking for you and seeking for you. And he knows you by name. It's not some transactional thing. It's a relational thing that God wants. He wants to look at you and call you out by name. He knows you. We also see that people, once again, are in uproar. Like, why is he hanging out with people like Zacchaeus? Why is he hanging out with the messy and the imperfect and the sinners? These notorious sinners that are doing bad things. And Jesus shows us, once again, who he came for. He came for the humble, for the lost, the sick, and he wanted to help. He was a redemptive plan for mankind. Jesus is hanging out with right where he's supposed to be hanging out with, right with who he's supposed to be hanging out with. I apologize for that, mic Pop. And so Jesus knows him by name and goes out to him. Now Zacchaeus gets so excited. He goes, yeah, come to my house. Come to my house. And we see in there, going to someone's house and breaking bread and staying with him. That was a very relational thing. And we see that Jesus wants, once again, again, he wants a relationship with us. And so Jesus comes to his house and comes up to his door and he goes in for a meal. And Zacchaeus starts a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when I think about Jesus coming up to Zacchaeus' house, it reminds me of some scriptures in Revelation. See, there's, in chapter 3 of Revelation, there's these letters that are being written to churches, and they're warning churches and guiding churches for when Jesus comes back. And there's this area that's getting this letter, and this area has two areas of water. There's this water that's really hot, and there's this water that's really cold. And because of the all-in on temperature, whether it's hot or cold, the water stays clean. It's so hot that it stays healthy. And the water that's cold, it stays healthy, right? But then in the city where the water meets, it's lukewarm. And that lukewarm water is where bacteria can fester. And people get sick from drinking it and spraying. It's causing disease and sickness. And and this is some lukewarm water. And this letter is telling people, there's a warning from Jesus saying, do not be lukewarm. See, this this city, this area knows he's speaking to them. They know what he's talking about because that water is causing problems in their town if you drink it from the middle where it is lukewarm. And Jesus says, in the same way when you follow me, if you are lukewarm, I will have to spit you out. It is unhealthy. And he says, I want you to be all in, all the way, like all the way cold, all the way hot. I want you to be all in, in a relationship with me. And so after he warns us about lukewarm in Revelation, this is the part that really reminds me of what happened with Zacchaeus. We see Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 20. It says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Now, Zacchaeus' time is before the death and resurrection. okay? But now, this time, where this letter was written in Revelation, this is after the death and resurrection. He's saying, look here, remember? Like, I'm victorious over death. I've conquered sin. I'm victorious. I'm at the throne with my father in the same way you can be at the throne. You can enter the throne room. You can enter the kingdom through me. I want to be your friend. I want to be your Lord. I want to be a love in your life that changes the way you walk and talk for the rest of your life. This is what we're seeing here. And Zacchaeus gets this. Even before the death and resurrection, we see now that Zacchaeus is in a relationship with Jesus. He realized there is a Messiah, a Savior that knows him by name and crowds are trying to get around. He doesn't care how childish he has to be. He wants to be with Jesus and quickly he wants to change his life in response to that. And so we see here next, let's look and see what happens next. Back at Luke chapter 19, verse eight. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth To the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus is in the business of bringing salvation, helping the lost be found. Helping the messy and the hurt be healed. Helping the captive be set free. And now that Zacchaeus realizes this. See, he says, "I'm just gonna, he's, he's a rich man, remember? He's a supervisor. He's, he's a, a regional tax collector. He is a chief tax collector. And he realizes this. And what he has is wealth from his lifestyle. And he goes, okay, I need to give this up. He gives up half his money. But then even at this time, the Jewish culture, if you rip someone off, he said, for anyone I cheated, I'll pay four times. At this time, if you cheated someone, you were supposed to pay one fifth. hundred dollars, you paid 120. If it it was four times though, if it's $100, it's $400. If it's $1,000, it's $4,000. And Zacchaeus is going over and above. He's like, I want to be so far away from the lifestyle and the and the rules. And everything. I just I want to be so much focused on you. I'm going to give half my money. And I'm going to pay four times because this is what he was struggling with. This is what he was growing up around was money and money and money, and he was wanting to give it over. And then we see Jesus says, salvation has come to this home today. Zacchaeus receives salvation. And in the same way, there's going to be things in our lives, if we want to be all in, if we don't want to be lukewarm, we're going to have to try. And when I say lukewarm, I'm not saying that we're perfect people. You'll hear me say it over and over. We're imperfect people moving towards a perfect God. But if we're honest, we'll know if we truly wake up every day to be all in. If we're honestly trying to pursue God and let him refine us and remove impurities from us so we could be set apart, being a light in this world, so not only the better for us and our families, but also for the better of everyone around us. And we we need to be all in. And we see that. And Zacchaeus shows us by example. And so through that, I want us to think for ourselves in our own walk, on our own journey. Are we all in for Jesus? Are we all in for Jesus? Knowing that we are called to try every day to pick up our cross and to pursue and seek this God. Like a children runs like a child runs to his father, are you all in with Jesus? And if you were someone that says, yes, I am a follower of God, I have a relationship with Jesus, what's the next step you can take to further grow in your pursuing of God, to be even more all in than the day before? And if you're someone that maybe has never taken a step towards God, Maybe today, that's what what God has for you today is to take that very first step for the very first time to, to walk with God, to put your trust in God for the things he has done. I need you to know that there is a relationship offered and we get to see firsthand how a man that was corrupt and evil and he was against odds, even physically with his height, so many things. And for the moment, he, he just sought out God. And through that relationship, things changed. There's a change for each and every one of us. There's a God that so loves us that didn't just go seek out men from trees and people by the river, but he also went to a cross. He got, God so loved the world that he sent his son And because of our mess and our sin and how that separates us from a righteous God because of how unrighteous we are. And no matter what we do, we can't make up for it. We can do good things, but it doesn't erase the bad things we did. Not if we try to do it on our own. But because God so loved us, he sent his son here and he lived a perfect life and did not deserve to die on a cross. He did nothing wrong to die on a cross, but still went to a cross for us. He went to a cross for us and paid a price for all the things that we should be paying for. And so we could be made clean, that we could be made right in God's eyes, and we can be in a relationship with him. <laughs> that he'll come to our door and knock and we can open. We can be a friend with him. We can, we can live with him. We can walk with him, not only just him, but the love that he has so much that he gives us a community, a family to look out for one another. He wants us to do life together. He wants us to knock on each other's doors in the response to the way he knocks at ours. And so if you are someone here today that wants to put your trust And Jesus Christ for dying for you. I need you to know you get to trust in so much more because it didn't just stop there. He didn't just die, but three days later, after paying the price for the, the weight of the world's sin, God the Father raised his son Jesus from death. He was resurrected, defeating death, conquering sin. And scripture shows us when we put our trust in that Lord, and we believe in God, and believe the things he's done for us, and the things he's still continuing to do, man, we are saved. We can trust in him. We can confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts. And scripture says, we will be saved. Salvation will come to our home. And in response to that, it should change the way we talk and walk. See, it's a free gift. We don't, we don't earn salvation. But when we are given salvation, When we experience and and discover God and we feel this love more and more every day, it can't help but change the way we talk and walk. And scripture shows the good thing about this. If you're someone that's like, hey, how do I know if I'm saved? Listen, scripture says if you truly confess and believe, you will be saved. But also we have other scriptures that tell us. We can tell. See, our works don't earn salvation. It's through faith and faith alone. But scripture shows us that if we have a true faith, and we spend time with God, it will change the way we talk and walk. So much more than just my nephew around his family learning to talk and walk and how his life is changing day by day. But we, if we spend time with the father and his family, it should change the way we talk and walk. And when we see that in response to that love and we start to see different actions, it's evidence of the relationship we have with God. And so if we we could close our eyes We usually do this a little bit later, but I'm just doing it right now. If you're someone here that wants a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm just going to guide you through a prayer. And the prayer isn't what saves you. say it every week. Scripture is very clear. Salvation is accessible by you when you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart the things he has done for you. He died and rose again, paying the price for your sin. And when you ask for forgiveness, you receive it. And so if you want to do that, I'd just like to help you take a step to walk with Jesus. Say, God, I I want a relationship with you. I'm sorry for my sins. I confess you, Jesus, are Lord. I believe in my heart that you... Tied and rose again for me. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. As we continue to pray, if we can keep our eyes closed, i just like to pray for the room. God, help us. <laughs> desire childlike faith. Guide us to be all in. Help us. Refine us. Don't let us be lukewarm. God, give us the desires to want to be all in. I pray we become more hopeful. I pray we become more excited. I pray we become more humble. I pray we become more vulnerable. God, help us depend on you. God, I pray that we seek you out more and more. I pray that when you knock, we open the door. God, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So please remember remember, that, remember this. When God knocks, let's run to him and open the door. There's a God that, that wants you to know him more and more by the day. Man, you really, I'm talking about the creator of the universe. He wants to look out and go, Steve, come discover me. Mike, come discover me. Greg, come discover me. Hector, come discover me. Whatever you're he, Teresa, he knows you by name. He wants to call out to you and he wants you to hear it and respond to it. And if you're someone that's receiving it for the first day, yes, that's awesome. But even if you've had the gospel in your life, if you've known about it for years, if you do, I need you to know the gospel is just as much for you today as it was from the first day found out about it, he's still calling your name. He still wants to recharge you and heal you and strengthen you through whatever stuff you're dealing with right now. There's a God that so loves you, that wants to enter your house and eat meals with you. With the spirit, he wants to dwell within you and he wants to help you live a life that's worth living for. That's the God we're talking about. That's the father we're talking about that we should be children towards. Amen? It's a good father, right? It's a good father. And so in a second, we're, we're going to go into song. And the song we're going to start off with is called It Is Well. And, and the lyrics just talk about how like, through it all, we can just look through it. We can, we can run to God. We can seek out God. And when we do, there's a peace and comfort beyond all understanding, all understanding that we can tap into because of God. And he, he can make it well no matter what we're going through. And I've gotten to see this so many times, us as a church, we've seen so many people that when they felt like things were not well, things started to become well through their relationship with God. I would just like to invite you to be a part of this with us and to sing out. But before we go into singing the song, I'd like to ask a question. It's so easy to hear, like like Quay prayed earlier. Let's not just be hearers, but let's be doers. So I'd like to ask this question, Where can you be more childlike in your faith? Where can you be more childlike in your faith towards God? Can you be more hopeful? Can you be more excited? Can you be more humble? Can you be vulnerable? Man, it's so easy to say that, but can we work at being more vulnerable and more dependent God and his plan over trying to be in control of the plan that we want to have can we be more dependent on God and can we be seeking can we seek out God can we want to wake up daily and seek this ultimate father so once again you can take a moment to reflect where can you be more childlike in your faith